Hello and welcome to the week 5 edition of Spitball, your weekly quickfire roundup of the week's NFL action. Unfortunately, EJ again can't make it this evening. I think he's gone further west and is now visiting the Los Angeles Temptation squad to see what talent he can pick up there. Shh, don't tell his wife. Um, so with me instead is my good friend and co-host Marcus, I own Fantasy Football Henson. How are you Marcus? Uh, I'm, I'm alright actually, yeah, thank you. Uh, I understand you suffered a small little setback this week in Fantasyland. A small little, small little hitch could be uh, could be derived from it. Yeah, what um, happened? Um, I lost. Um, in it, a nutshell. In, in a nutshell, um, and that uh, my reputation and this uh, this nickname is in dire needs if. Uh, if I can't salvage something of a win this week as well, I say. Yeah, I'm, I may be working on a new nickname for Marcus if he uh, goes the way of uh, a two-game losing streak. So, you know, maybe if you want to come up with some nicknames in case he loses, then, you know, feel free to tweet me at Adrian Mallows, email us at bullhawksnest uh, at gmail.com or, of course, use the feedback section at the bottom of the uh, bottom of the page. So let's roll into uh, to week five. Oh, absolutely. Want to start off with uh, going to fly straight into things. This week on the blog, I decided to try something new, just mm-hmm. to try and keep things fresh, and I've come up with a new award which I think we should do weekly. Ah. The team performance of the week award. Ooh. Now I know. Luckily, you haven't read the blog, so this may come as a surprise to you. It may not. But this week. My team performance of the week goes to the St. Louis Rams. Yes. For their their performance against the Cardinals, knocking off not only division rivals, undefeated division rivals. Cole barely got back on his feet the amount of times he got sacked. I think it was nine sacks in total. Mm-hmm. And there's a forced fumble as well for the defence. Yep. Bradford managed to find a way to get the job done despite losing Dan- Danny Amendola early on. So, what are your thoughts? Uh, yes, no. Uh, not just as a Rams fan do I uh, do I agree, but actually as a football fan, I agree. Um, taking where the Rams were this year, it's it's a sense of it's true joy that I can actually see and enjoy watching a Rams game, but actually watching Rams success as well. Yeah. Um, it wasn't perfect. The defense under Jeff Fisher is outstanding. They uh, kudos to all of those guys working really hard. It's really starting to pay off. Offense, um, yes, suffered a bit of a bump with Amendola. Um, that looks like it might take a while to heal. Uh, again, that's up to the other guys in the wide receiver positions to step up. You know, Amendola, it seemed that he was taking a lot of it on his um, shoulders this year. I don't know how much of a, a rapport he had created in the offseason. Maybe him and Bradford had got a thing going on where they, they started to click, which would be great. But... Um, as far as I'm aware, if you're a professional athlete, you should be able to step up when you're asked to step up. So what are the names we can look out for uh, in the coming weeks? You're looking out for Gibson, Givens, and I think you have to incorporate some more of the the tight ends in uh, Kendricks and Fells, pretty much. You, what about, will they perhaps rely more on Steven Jackson? Um, or will he continue in the same I think Steven Jackson, I think the idea that this whole ethos about putting ground game to open up the the offense with short yardage really I mean yes he did have that beautiful chuck to Amendola and a couple of deep balls but I think the the ethos is on the short quick releases 
Um, it's been working, clearly. Um, Bradford hasn't been knocked down so much this year. I think that was the biggest problem. So quick releases, quick passes. That's why Amendola in his sort of built-like slot position was just on fire. But again, um, other guys have got to step up. I think tight ends can um, play a big part in the um, in the short yard passing game. And also, of course, backs, as I really like um, the look of the new... The, uh, the new running back um, behind Jackson himself, was it uh, Darrell Richardson, was it? Possibly, yeah. Yep. Um, I think he was uh, he was looking really good. Yep. So, <clears throat> with how well your team played, yep. I'm going to briefly touch on how badly my team <laughs> played. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite easy to, to laugh about it. I mean, there's a couple of things that I sort of... I know, sort of, again, for... People who read the blog and listen to the podcast, I apologise for repeating myself, but looking at the Bills season so far, mm. we're currently two and three. Mm-hmm. You look at the opponents we've had, when I looked at the schedule at the start of the season, I thought three and two, because I was expecting us to beat Cleveland, I was expecting us to beat Kansas, and I kind of wanted us to beat the Jets, but I wasn't 100% certain whether we'd beat the Jets, as it was actually in uh, New Jersey slash New York, um, and obviously we would lose to the Patriots and the 49ers, so... It's not quite a crisis, however, the defence, I saw some of the defensive stats earlier, and it's like 30th against the run, uh, 24th against the pass, but 31st, like in total yards conceded per game. From bits that you may have seen this season, and bearing in mind how well the Rams' defence is doing, is there anything you think that you would maybe try to model the the Bills towards, based on what you've seen with the Rams, with how many sacks they're starting to have? Um, well, when it comes to the Rams, I think um, they have a defensive-minded head coach. And, of course, any time you, you often tend to see, I mean, take um, take New Orleans. New Orleans have an offensive-based, or they did, sorry, excuse me, have an offensive-based head coach in Sean Payton. The offense jumps leaps and bounds, okay? And you're starting to see the derivatives coming from Jeff Fisher's knowledge, experience, starting to pay off. Yeah. You know, I wasn't too impressed with... Um, the defense in the first two games, mm-hmm. you know, I thought it was iffy at best, and now we seem to have got some form of momentum running, and of course the defense have picked up on it. Yeah, I think the biggest problem as well will be confidence for the Bills. Is this for yeah. the Bills? I think for the Bills, the last two games in particular have been quite damaging towards that confidence level. Yeah, I mean when you get beat, was it forty-two three to forty-five uh, three? Forty-five three, you know. <sighs> Was it in Candlestick? 52-21 uh, against was, the Pats. Was it in Candlestick as well? It was in That's in San a Francisco, long yeah. plane trip home. Yeah. With um, pretty much no one probably speaking. It's going to be quite, uh, quite a, a hushed sort of atmosphere on that plane ride home. Yeah. Something else, I think, what you're going back to what you're saying about the coaches, for me, I think the one thing in, in Buffalo is, granted, we are sort of still rebuilding, but... Part of me would actually maybe like to see Chan Ganey maybe step over to be offensive coordinator because I think when we get it right, he has got a great offensive scheme. Maybe potentially sometimes he can be a bit too pass heavy if we get behind, kind of understandable. But at the same time, you know, you still need to try and throw a few runs in here and there. But maybe if he steps across to offensive coordinator, and I would like to see someone passionate like your Harbour brothers your Jim Schwartz, someone like that who you see get emotional on the sideline. He's not happy with calls. He screams at the players when he needs to, when it's appropriate. You see that passion on his face and that's got to rub off on the team, I feel. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I feel, what do you call it? Yeah, 
when you when you when you're speaking about that way, he, he does have a, a great mind for for offensive uh, uh, divisions where creating the schemes. I mean, like you say, Jess, I think when you have got Jackson um, and Spiller to take advantage of in the backfield, why not? Yeah. Um, but yes, it, it it it's a sense of some people are are made to be head coaches. I think some people are made to be coordinators. Mm. I think simply as um, you know, where does your boundary lie? Um, you look at some people like um, uh, going back to my um, uh, my own Rams outlook at it. You had uh, was it Sp- Spirano, Sp- Spagano, the um, defensive coordinator who took um, Giants to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, came over, became the Rams head coach, and it seemed that there was something lost there. Um, and he's now gone back to playing defensive coordinator. Uh, I'm not sure where, but that that he never hit the step, as it were. Yeah. I don't think some people are built yet to hit the step. Um, some people will do much better when they're just left with coordination um, duties and then leaving the head coach for someone else. I think sometimes you have to have that one person who is a uh, a purely decisional head coach and someone who you've taken as a coordinator and bec- uh, you know, change them to a head coach. And it's So almost coaching the coach to become a head coach. Yeah, I think sometimes you do need... Um, sometimes you do see the ascendancy which is great because of course there is that natural transition but I think sometimes that comes from having someone who has um, been under a a very strong head coach and they've managed to then create their own ethos and then that ethos has worked so yeah with that in mind moving away from the Bills and the Rams because I'm sure perhaps yeah. the listeners are uh, getting Sorry, a bit tired but you know I talk about the Bills all day thinking of coaches obviously then pushing coordinators into a head coaching role yeah Belichick, not sure how long, how many years he wants to keep going, whether he's going to be a Ferguson, say he's going to retire, and by Ferguson I refer to Alex Ferguson, manager of Manchester United, who about 10 years ago now said he was going to retire, but he's still there, so whether he maybe carries on for sort of another 10, 15 years, or potentially as he's been a head coach before, now their offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniel, do you see maybe him progressing and becoming the head coach of the New England Patriots? Um, No. No. Fair enough. <laughs> um, sorry to put it blankly. The, the reason I see it is I see Bilicek, um with his such the um, the passion that he puts into the game and the way that he actually has seems to have the agreement with um, the Crafts. I don't see them either parting ways at any point. Um, therefore, I don't see McDaniel's giving himself the time needed for Bilicek to then hit his um, his step off point mm-hmm. to say I'm done. And then him to then take up the reins. I think by the time that comes, Daniels will want to probably be in another head coaching job somewhere else. And I'm pretty sure another head coaching job will come up for him. Probably in Buffalo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it seems that I think Bilicek will keep going as long as the success keeps flowing. Because the fact is the New England England fans are pretty much sold on him. I think the fact is that he really has almost like a tenure there Mm -hmm. where... Um, Bilicek, I mean, at the moment, can't really do no wrong. Uh, even when he, he faces indiscretions from the um, NFL powers that be, they still stand behind him. Um, not saying, you know, he did um, blatantly cheat. <laughs> we'll keep that one for another discussion another day. But what I'm saying is, say when his methodology is somewhat flawed in the matter, it's still Are you referring matter. just to... Just to qualify for all those people that may be listening for the first time this season, when you refer to Belichick as a cheat, are you talking about the signal 
reading the, when they were stealing the defensive signals so they knew what other defences were calling? Um, yes, and also the, the play film scandal as well. Which was? Uh, basically when he was basically bribing other people from clubs to make copies of the game uh, in-game films to then use to develop as practice. But we're not going to go into that now. Okay, yeah, let's... Um, let's say he's a passionate coach who, uh, like all good coaches, has a mind to win and pretty much achieve that by any means necessary. So, yeah, so moving on from other things around the league, we can't not talk about Drew Brees. And I asked you, I, I mentioned this last week, didn't I? I said, for me, it's all about Sean Payton and his aura around the New Orleans Saints. Is it a coincidence that Sean Payton happens to be in the building when they pick up their first win of the season? Uh, I want to say... I want to say yes it is a coincidence because I'm pretty sure he would have been at the other home game uh, when they played KC and managed to lose that game but I don't know you know it was technically he wasn't because he was suspended he was granted special permission this week to attend that's right so so I would like to say that I don't know if there was any off the scene communication I mean I don't know how far the league enforces it can he even talk to Drew Brees can he pick up the phone and say hi buddy how are you doing no it's a complete cut off he's allowed no contact with the organisation no training he was literally granted special permission to have a seat in the stadium where it'd be guarded and I think he was only allowed to talk to Brees briefly after the game Ah, uh, in which case I would say it is a coincidence I think I think what more spurred this on this time was um, Breeze's record, shall we say, eclipsing uh, the United's uh, grand 47 games and like putting himself on top of the pile. I think honestly, something like that will get a team out of a four-game losing streak slump. I playing for another player. Playing for another player. Uh, it, I mean, I've played on teams. We're playing currently with Spartans right now. Um, you do get there is a sense. I mean, even Spartans. I mean, you tend to very much get because it it's a close knit group. Yeah. You take it on to say a a fifty two man roster. Um, you do get your clicks and your segregations, but there's always someone who the whole team would fight for, who would you know they've got your back and everything like that. And I think Drew Brees is immaculately that person on the Saints team. I think he's the one who they'd all sit there and get in the fight with. Uh, who they who they try harder for, and I think honestly, the scale of his achievement just I think honestly that was what made everyone just play a little bit harder to try and uh, grab the win. True, I don't think San Diego are that great not uh, a great greater team for them, so therefore it should be enough for what is a a fairly decent New Orleans Saints team to actually to get a couple wins this season. But I guess stuff like Casey I expect them to win and stuff like that and this is just football but I think the fact is that it was actually for Breeze that they fought for that they they strove for they you know sweat blood tears you know everything and achieved that extra goal this week brilliant and thinking of Kansas City that you raise an extra point when you mentioned Kansas City there about how you expect them to lose against the Saints obviously they picked up the win Kansas City are a bit of a phenomenon this year because when they play teams like Buffalo, they get absolutely trounced. Mm. But they've played the Saints and their performance against Baltimore. Yes. They seem to be really, really stepping it up against the big teams. But it's almost like a game you would expect them to win or you'd expect them to fight hard in, again, like I say, against the likes of Buffalo. Especially when it was at Arrowhead, you would expect them to come away with a win. But then they seem to be finding it against the decent teams. So why would you 
not fight as hard in a game where realistically you should win or at least have a good performance as opposed to a game that basically everyone's written you off in? Um, I think so much to what I think is that's come off is actually a lot of it comes down to the players themselves coming in, new attitude, every new game. And I think it's what's killed them off this year so far has been teams have got early leads on them. Yeah, San Diego, for example, put I think they were about twenty-one-three on them at one point. You uh, you could almost see the heads dip. Now, fair play that they did come back to make it almost somewhat of a respectable loss against San Diego. Um, as you say, Bills was just you know write that one off. But again, the early leads seemed to trounce them, whereas they kind of strove with. Baltimore, you know, very close game. Uh, Saints, they managed to keep it tight. I think if they keep it tight, they can do... Um, they seem to run their game plan better. I don't know how far Romeo Cornell's got their, their system in place. I mean, it seems to be very run-heavy. I mean, especially now that... I mean, I don't know what happened as far as the severity of Castle's injury. But I'm, I'm pretty sure you... I have no idea who their, um, their backup is. Sorry, yeah, KC fans, but I have no idea who your back, quarterback is. But literally, I don't see any faith, or I don't suppose there would be any any hope really in asking too much from that quarterback. But when they when they run their game plan, which seems to be run first, you know, pass second, open up those lanes. Um, Jamal Charles is running brilliantly, uh, brilliantly, uh, brilliantly this year. I will get that out, and he seems to be going through his progressions as a running back, where he's starting to make the adjustments. Okay, there's still the fumble problem. Still the fumble problem, okay. Um, but again, he's still young. Hopefully, I mean, you only have to look at people like Tiki Barber, great running back. Again, everyone questioned it for years. His 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 fumble problem. But again, it goes down to the individual going that extra mile. I mean, you see what Tiki went and did. He went and did that extra where he'd walk around literally everywhere with a football in place in his arms and all the other stuff. You know, literally to up his game. And that's going to be on Jamal Charles to now go right. I see this is my weakness. I've got the rest of it in place. How do I get this last puzzle piece? Um, as for the defence, I see good bits of the defence. I see bad bits of the defence. But I, I think, again, it's almost like a sense that you could have the foundations there. It's time to start building on top of them. Okay. Um, again, they are in the real rebuilding process. So maybe a couple of nice little draft picks could find themselves a home couple free agents just to shore up that defense i think Bo can really start to come out as the way well, he is literally the number one wide receiver but maybe some Absolutely. other guys starting to come out again to give him some help on the side to release the pressure where um uh, secondaries might start to um, tunnel vision in on Bo. Yeah. you know a lot of time you get that with one uh, number one receiver suddenly springs up from nowhere yeah. and then suddenly it's up to the rest of the offense to suddenly come alive because everyone's focusing on them. Yeah, like uh, it should be like for example Tony Mariaki, their tight end. When he first came in as a rookie, I expected great things from him. He was making some great catches, but after the first sort of few weeks of last season, there's not really we've not really heard much of him this year. So, no. so maybe Jamal Charles maybe needs to take him under his wing as well and say, "Come on, lad, let's." Let's up our game and let's actually pick up some of these victories. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you've got you've got you've got the piece in place. You can't say that you haven't got the right system in place. I think maybe the ex execution is just a, a shard or two short. I mean, when you take Baltimore, you know, someone we we're talking about 
what we call a defensive team. I know they're getting old and there's all these questions, but I still see them, okay, having name dropping time here, having met Ray Lewis himself, and the belief that I feel feel that he he instills in that defense, what with a great secondary, I think Webb and Williams on the on the corners are outstanding. Yeah. Um you've still got uh Mr. Reed in the backfield, I think great secondary. I think that is a difficult defense to 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 sort of penetrate. Yeah. Yet we see Jamal Charles managed to get 140 yards on the ground against them. Yeah. But Ray Lewis though, still hitting hard, still talking trash, still going strong. Um I found out in 96 was actually his rookie season coming back to what we were mentioning last week. So yes, yeah, 16 16 year professional. And we do promise one day we will do a show where we don't mention Ray Lewis, but, but not this season. <laughs> You have to get used to that, I'm afraid. Um, so, just quickly, something um, what I'm going to try and do now is our other weekly awards. Before there is another point, I do want to um, come back to just with Breeze. So, if I forget when we've done the awards, maybe you can remind me. But as usual, uh, for the regular viewers, we have a Megatron Award, which I'm sure you all know is the Offensive Impact Player. Our Ray Lewis Award for the Defensive Impact Player. So, I will let you... Uh, take control of this one and you can start with whichever award you like this week okay uh, well seeing that we just mentioned the man himself I think it's only amicable to actually get in and start with our Ray Lewis award for our defensive impact player okay so I'm going to start off if you guys have never heard this before I start off with a runner up a sort of uh, someone who was very close to winning this award but just came up a shard short and uh, going back to the beginning of our, our segment tonight I'm going to go and vote for Mr Robert Quinn of the St. Louis Rams, defensive end. Did not see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the guy, I mean, even taking the Rams factor out of it, this is a guy who got four tackles, three sacks, he caused the forced fumble. I mean, the guy really just rattled Cobb's brain for most of the day, causing a lot of problems. Um, really much creating a sort of like a hit hard and fast, really set that game into motion, I feel. And for, for that, I, I give him a nice honourable mention. Okay. But uh, for the actual award itself, Mr. Ray Lewis this week, I'm giving it to Mr. Charles Tillman, Chicago Bears. Really? Yes. And do you want to know why? Yes, I do. This Charles Tillman is 31 years old. He's in his 10th season, and the guy is still performing to the max. I mean, we're talking four tackles in a game, an interception, return for a touchdown, 36 yards, the guy hasn't just done this, you know, once this year. He's really starting to perform. I'm really starting to see. I mean, you had Briggs had another one this, this week. And it was so, I almost went for him there. And literally, I suddenly learnt, went back and looked at who's been performing. And he's getting in the tackles. He's he's breaking up the passes, you know. He's causing trouble in the secondary. And I'm sitting there going, guy's 31 years old. He's hit his 10th season. By now, cornerbacks are normally starting to find either they're past it and going looking like Ronde Barber and going into the safety position, okay? But no, he's still out there fighting it, you know, on that on the sideline to the sideline up against some of the really fast rookie wide receivers. I want to throw another name in that. It's a great shout, and because we haven't mentioned him this mm -hmm. year, but did you consider JJ Watt of the Houston Texans for his performance this week against the Jets? Because yeah. it, not only did he have the four tackles. But three pass deflections, one leading to an interception when the Jets were in scoring position. Mm -hmm. Also another pass deflection on one of the final plays of the game yeah. where Sanchez had a receiver wide open downfield, 
but did not get the ball past the line of scrimmage because JJ Watt got up there and tipped it. Did he come into your thought process? He did week? come into my thought process because if we go back to last week and where we forgot to do... We my, forgot to do the offensive. We actually what, forgot what, Megatron. Oh, I was, was going to say. Um, uh, Mr JJ Watt came into my mind right there. And I, did he win it or was he the honourable mention? I, I believe. believe he won it last, yeah, not won uh, it last week. Yeah, I mean, so... I think for that, what what swung me was the fact that it was a great performance and I was just trying to get someone else new in the ward, I must okay. admit. No, um, I'll let you off that then. Oh, uh, yeah, let me off that For one. now. But, uh, congratulations, Charles Tillman. You are our Mr. Ray Lewis Defensive Impact Player of Week 5. Congratulations. Nice little round of applause for you there. Sir. Right, so, so we don't forget it this week. Straight in. Straight in to the Megatron Award. Again, new, new listeners, this is for our Offensive Impact Player of the Week. And again, I'm going to start off with a little bit of a, an honourable mention. Okay, I know a lot of people, there will be a couple other names that you want to throw back at us. And if you do, you can get in contact with us at... By tweeting me at Adrian Mallows, emailing us um, with bullhawksnest at gmail.com. Or there is also a feedback form at the bottom of the page. Exactly. So if you feel that I've missed someone out, please get in contact with us. But I'm going for my, my second place, my runner-up of the Megatron Award, goes to you, Mr. Victor Cruz. Ooh, very nice. Three catches, 50 yards, three touchdowns. Exactly. Uh, now, I know there's lots of people. I mean, I found it very hard to work through it this week, but I, I, I just went through and I suddenly realised who really bailed out and helped strive his team to you know, get there. He was, it always comes down to those clutch plays. Everyone sits there and goes, what are you going to do when it's, it's third and long and stuff like that? And when you're, you're stuck in the red zone and you need that touchdown... And I think Cleveland Brown came out as a shock that they suddenly got on the front foot. And Absolutely. That Giants had, exactly. Giants had to come back and sort of turn that round, and which they did. Um, but, you know, Cruz fighting at the right times, getting in the right places, and, you know, just generally being that nice, safe pair of hands that Manning could throw to. I think there is something about a guy who can always be the safety net. Absolutely. And uh, it's our boy again, isn't it? Young Eli Manning, who I love to rip, but to be fair, I will always admit that he is actually a world-class quarterback. A great performance and a comeback from him as well against Cleveland Browns, going down 14-0 early on and just comes back to, to lead his team to victory. Granted, I think he only threw for just over sort of 250-odd yards, but it was more how he controlled the game to get them back into it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, you just came slightly short there, Victor, and I'm afraid people could be split about this, about the winner, because I must admit I was sort of split on a, uh, a coin toss, but I'm going to give Megatron Award for Week 5 to Mr. Drew Brees Whee! because, you know, it, it wasn't just the fact that it was the 48, 48th game with the touchdown, the yeah, record. And, games, yeah. It was also the fact is we're talking 370 yards. We're talking four touchdowns here. I mean, that is just on a normal game. That is that's great. I mean, this is this is the Drew Brees that we expect. This is like, yes, finally, 2012, 2013 seasons finally here, you know, shook up because, I mean, I've just there's something been missing on the first four games. You know, that, that breeze factor which just comes in and controls a game. Yeah. And you know what? I don't know whether it was the, you know, he got in early, pretty much I think it was the second or third pass of the game. He throws his, uh, he throws his 48th touchdown. He's got his record and guy just sat in and he controlled that game. That was his. No one was taking that away from him. No one was going to spoil his day. It's mine. Job done. Awesome. Mr. Drew Brees, congratulations. Congratulations, Drew Brees. And that brings us actually nicely back to uh, the man himself, Drew Brees. <laughs> so, so, yeah. <laughs> well done, so I won't actually forget. But the, what I want to talk about, Drew Brees, is because I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Again, something I mentioned briefly in the blog. In the last decade, 
I think it's fair to say that it's been dominated by Brady and the Manning brothers. I will have to refer to them as mm-hmm. with how well Eli's done. In in a decade that's been dominated by uh, the Bradys and the Mannings, Drew Brees is the one that's actually broken the major records. Drew Brees broke Dan Marino's 27-year-old record mm. of most passing yards in the season. He's broken Johnny Unitas's most consecutive straight games with a touchdown now at 48. You look at some of his other records, he's had two 5,000-plus yard passing seasons. He's got six straight, I believe, 4,000-yard uh, passing seasons tying in with Peyton Manning. Do we talk about this guy enough as a general fan? When you when you talk about elite quarterbacks, does Drew Brees get enough publicity? I feel maybe that it's a case of that he's he's recognised in the sense that if I was to say an elite quarterback, he is going to be in the top five. Now, is he going to be in my top three? I think that's where it drops short. If that makes sense? It makes sense, but the question I ask is why? Because when you compare him up against, say, for example, to Peyton Manning... They've both won the same number of Super Bowls, but when you look at the amount of chances they've had and the teams they've been with, Drews has made the most of his opportunities. Oh, yeah. But it's, it comes down to one one word, and uh, agree with me or don't, again, get in touch with us, and that is marketability. Peyton Manning is marketable because... Well, it's, it's, it's the Manning factor. It's the fact that um, when you go into Indianapolis and you've got this sort of sense that it's still, even now, I mean, it is starting to, you know, Luck's come in and he's like doing a heck of a job trying to make people forget about Manning in a quick way. And, you know, comeback wins against the Packers will do that. Absolutely, yeah, great win for them this week. But it's a sense that Manning had that, that command of the town. It was just, you know, coming down from the father's tradition into the son and the son does it. Should we say and use the horrible word swagger? Uh, I'm not sure about swagger. I think he 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 was already handed part of a legacy, and I think it's it's much easier to come back to say you know oh that's Manning's son and you sort of you you put an eye on him very early on. Mm-hmm. Brady he kind of earned his wings by of course being a seventh round draft pick who then comes up and then I hate to have to correct you sorry sixth round is it sixth round draft pick okay a late round draft pick let's make it like that there you go. <laughs> Uh, a late round draft pick who then comes in, takes on the reins of this, pretty much no one pre- preceded the Patriots to do much that year, took over Bledsoe, yep. Super Bowl, oh my word, immortality. Um, oh, well, immortality as far as you know New England fans go, and like that he can do no wrong. And then in a sense that the model wife, the gorgeous house, and the lucrative advertising deals. But... Brady wears Uggs and he pees sitting down if you believe all of the Bills fans. So <laughs> I, I'm tending to agree with them because that's quite it. Can you imagine? Here's a picture for you just to try and lighten the mood a little bit when we get back into serious chat. Brady weeing, sitting down, just in his Uggs. There you go. There's a picture for everyone. <laughs> can you imagine? Moving swiftly back to the official business. <laughs> if we can. <laughs> No, 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 yes, no, yes, yes, we can. Um, whereas you take somewhere like the city of New Orleans, which the city itself is, is the, the fame goes with the city. It doesn't go with the team. True, because it, it literally when Breeze came in, although he's now the face of the franchise, he mm. literally, and him, between him and Peyton, pulled the city out of what was obviously a great catastrophe with, yes. with Hurricane Katrina. But as you say... Everyone's like, oh, poor New Orleans. I'm glad New Orleans is doing well. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I think the fact is, New Orleans, as a sense, it is 
it is the city. The city is alive. It's what creates the, the buzz about the place. Whereas you take someone like, uh, say, Indianapolis, Indianapolis is always going to be run by the, the stars. I'm sure if Luck can control himself and find himself under the same tu uh, tutelage um, that Manning got, soon, what you call it, we could have this conversation five years' time and Luck. It's all Luck. And then Manning will be a, a figurehead of the past. Yeah. Um, whereas, of course, Manning now, of course, as he's still active and doing good things in Denver as well, I mean, he's having some. He, he's looking good. Absolutely, um, I, I didn't doubt it because uh, when you've no. got the quality that Manning has, he's not going to lose that from having a year out because Manning's ability is it's reading the defenses, it's making any adjustments to the line of scrimmage, and his precision passing. Yeah, and um, oh, we haven't mentioned uh, Eli, have we? Well, Eli, well, what do you do? You decide to trade in on your draft day to go to the hardest place in the world to play and you step up to the right, to, to the block and you knock two world championships out yeah. the park. That pretty much settles now as far as half of New York is that you are just pretty much the best Manning brother, best quarterback. You know, you ain't going to have a, a sensible conversation with... Uh, an, um, Eli Manning himself. <laughs> Eli Manning himself. <laughs> or a, a giant fan New Yorker and try and teach him otherwise. Yeah. Okay? So I think that as well is the fact that had Manning chosen this draft and then bombed is that we'd be going Eli who? Because literally he'd become the other brother. But he's actually managed to stand on his own, which again, I think is why people kind of think of him more over Breeze because everyone thought he'd be the other brother and he came over and he stood up and he said, I ain't the other brother. I, I am the brother. Exactly. Breeze has sort of sunk himself in to the city of New Orleans, embraced it and become the face of the franchise, and literally that's about it. He's happy to just, you know, go about his life and working on the fact is the city goes out and the team itself, you know, it's always very much been advertisers, even when they were the New Orleans Aints, as it were, as people used to refer <laughs> to them as. They still, the city, the city was within the team, not the team within the city. Is this back in the day when they had uh, Joe Horn at receiver <laughs> and uh, Aaron Brooks at quarterback? Something like that, yeah. It's never going to be an Indianapolis Colts where the Colts have got, you know, the Colts franchise. The, the, yeah. the fame that, that they've come to Indianapolis. Saints have always been the Saints. Brilliant. Well, um, that nearly wraps us up for this week. But just one final thing, um, just like almost like a, a final thought, really. Just kind of with, obviously, being a day away now from the, the start of Week 6, with things just rolling around so quickly now. Looking ahead to this, this week, as we are this week now, this week's fixtures, is there any in there that you could see maybe a major upset happening or anything that really sort of whets the appetite in, in terms of a, a good a good fixture? Dallas, Baltimore. Dallas, Baltimore. Reason is, you've had Baltimore come off this tight loss to... Uh, tight loss? Tight win, sorry. Sorry, sorry, Baltimore fans. Sorry, Ray Lewis. <laughs> sorry, Mr. Ray. Lewis. Sorry Mr. for Lewis. calling you Ray. Mr. Lewis. Mr. Lewis. Um, they've had this tight win... They're now going to want to get back to their fundamentals. They're going to want to actually show that they can actually control it in their own house. Yeah. Okay, you've got Dallas coming back off the bye week. And then before that, you've had the Tony Romo <coughs> catastrophe. And they're going to want to see what they can do. I want to see what Dallas can do implementing a sort of game. Hopefully, Dallas, you've watched Kansas City. You've got DeMarco Murray there. <sighs> use him because you, you can use, use that to your advantage. Get Romo back into the passing game. And that Dallas defense isn't sluggish. Yeah. And I'd like to see how they could do because you saw Kansas City. Demarcus, uh, Demarcus where? 
on the Dallas side defense. I hate actually praising him because of a couple of seasons ago when there was issues with the with the CBA. Where came out and said pretty much everyone for their own. I'm all right, Jack. Compared to someone like Fitzgerald who said, you know, I'll pay for everyone. Don't worry, it's fine. I'll make sure people don't suffer. But um, on the field this season, proving his class. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's a matchup I really want to see because I think both these pretty much run the other into the ground to prove a point. And the only other real matchup I can really say that will be so juicy is um, Green Bay at Houston. Yeah, that does, especially with, with their loss this week to the Colts, that does really, again, Green Bay potentially going to come fired up like they did after they lost to San Francisco earlier in the year, running into the undefeated Texans. Well, this is this is to stop a 2-4. and four. Yes, it is, yeah, for the this Packers. This is to yeah. stop a 2-4. and four. You sit there and go, you look at the fact is that, yes, okay, you're under 500 at the moment. You suddenly fall down to the fact that where you're 2.5. Yeah. Yeah? Oh, sorry, 0.250, shall I say. Yeah. Got that wrong there, the aesthetics. But And then you're hitting the perfect Houston Texans, who are, everyone sat there and gone, right, Texans are now for real, okay? Could they be the Super Bowl contenders for the AFC? This is really going to be... I mean, there's been tests where they've they've come across. I mean, Jets was quite a quite a good test because everyone's looking at them, but Jets are kind of a little bit run down. I think Packers are going to want to step up to the plate. They're playing away, which I think is their weakest asset, is playing yep. away. Yep. And Houston are in the house and looking to really cement a season here. The only thing I would say on the Houston front that might go against them is Brian Cushing looks as though he's torn his ACL mm, after that nasty yeah. chop block. So on uh, on Monday night. So when you take someone like that, who is a key player out of their out of their defense? Obviously, they've got the likes of JJ Watt up front, but it's largely cemented by the fact that they have got that support behind them or rushing the quarterback. So when you take him out of the equation on defense, they may find it maybe a little bit easier Green Bay to run the ball. And as we've discussed before, if Green Bay can run the ball, Green Bay should be able to control the game with Rodgers mm. in the passing game because their passing game when it wants to be is very explosive. Yeah. He's got Cobb now as well, who, if he needs to, he is a quick receiver. He's Slots, obviously yeah. Yeah, a slot receiver. Um, you've got Jordy Nelson, you've got James Jones, who seems to be catching the touchdowns rather than getting the yards. And your boy Jordy Nelson getting all the yards and, and not the, not touchdowns. the touchdowns. But yeah, I think I think it's going to be very important. Again, I mentioned, I believe, at the beginning of the show about players having to then, when it's your time to step up, you got to. Yeah. And literally, if you're sitting there going, if you want to make a name for yourself, if you want to show this defence isn't just about the stars and it is about the whole team, you guys have got to grab hand in hand, you got to go out there, you got to play as a team, and you got to play hard. Yeah. Simple as. Brilliant. And just to finish off, Rams are at Miami this week. I think... What, what are your thoughts? Um... I like the defence. I think what you got, if we give the same sort of defence presence, again, you've got Tannehill in. Tannehill has shown that he's had trouble with pressure. Yep. I mean, what you call it? I don't think Cincinnati got the right blend of pressure. That's why they didn't, you know, that's why Miami get, got the win in Cincinnati. But I think the right amount of pressure, that's uh, Miami defence is very good on its own at getting pressure. So, again, I want to see how Sam Bradford works trying to work on short passes, getting out quick with no Danny Amendola. I think that's going to be the big key. Yeah, and Starks on the Miami defence in the defensive line. It just so happens that I took him out of my other fantasy team this week when he had such a great game against the Bengals. So, um, yeah, Bills, of course, at uh, Arizona this week. So, if you can use your contacts and ask Jeff Fisher to give Chan Gailey a call and tell him how to beat the Cardinals, get pressure on the quarterback, well, it's not hard. I hate to admit it, just on a final thought, blitz. You've got a blitz. 
I mean, Marcus will tell you from our Madden experiences, I do tend to bring Blitz quite a lot. Mm. And nine out of ten times, you know, it, it kind of works. There'll be occasions where you get an absolute big run busted against you because you happen to blitz down the left and they run up the right. But <laughs> yeah, you need to start getting pressure. We need to start supporting. We can't just say we paid a hundred million for Mario Williams. Why isn't he getting the job done? When in actual fact, if you want to come down to the basic maths, you've got four defensive linemen, you've got five offensive linemen. If you have a tight end in there as well. You have six people blocking four people. The maths tells you that the six will overcome the four regardless of how good the four is. You may sneak through every now and then on a mistake, but if you're not helping put pressure on those six with extra linebackers or a blitz from the corner, I don't see how you can expect those front four to continually get pressure without the backup from their linebackers or, as I say, a a blitzing corner. So please, please, pretty please, Mr. Wanstead, defensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, Start dialing up those blitz packages. Well, that's uh, we've slightly overrun, I think, this week, but we've just had so much to talk about and got a little bit carried so away fun. at the start. So much we've, fun. We've Rams and Bills. We always enjoy this. Um, and just to finish off, if you uh, again, if you want to get in touch, even if you want to partake in the show, we're happy to take callers live during the show. Um, if you want to email us some questions that we can answer on the show, that's a good one. Anything like that, then please do get in touch. Email us ballhawksnest at gmail Tweet me at Adrian Mallows. Leave some feedback um, at the bottom of the webpage. Or even there's a comment section if you wanted to leave a comment on the blog after you've had a, a quick read of that as well. So, oh. And you could also be our 1,000th viewer. Yes, yeah, so we're up to 999 on uh, on my blog, The Lowdown, this week. So, you know, if you do happen to be the 1,000th participant on the 1,000th reader of The Lowdown... Please leave a comment stating that you're the thousandth reader as there's a page ticker at the bottom. You'll get a shout out on next week's show. Absolutely you will. So an incentive there to get in touch. Marcus, it's been an absolute pleasure as always, my friend. Always a pleasure as well. And to everyone out there, stay safe, take care.